Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, if you got your Bibles, your devices this morning, uh, I'm going to be preaching uh, from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 is going to be my main text that I, that I want you to kind of get underlined, highlight. And I, and I love this passage. Um, it says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So there's some things that catch my eye when I read that. Number one, His great mercy. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope. And what is the common denominator from that? That is the resurrection from the dead, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. So all of those things that I just mentioned, great mercy, new birth, living hope that we have today, the common denominator, the reason that we have access to all of those things is because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I want to come back to that passage at the end because it plays a significant part about our life today, but I want to take you back in history. I want to tell you a story. I want to take you back in history because this weekend is very significant, okay, in in church world, and I want to take you back 3,500 years, 3,500 years. You know, uh, uh, the Hebrews had been in slavery for 430 years. Now, I want you to think about that number. 430 years they had been in slavery, all right? That is, you know, that's 242 years, you know. Our our nation is 242 years old, so it's almost 200 more years, you know, added onto that. So it's a long span of time that they had been in slavery, forced servitude. I mean, they, they had a rough life of just working in the heat. And, man, just the, you know, there's no life. There's no hope when you were in, in that situation. You were born a slave. There was, you know, that your identity was a slave. That's all you knew that you would ever be was a, was a slave. There was no hope. There was no hope for freedom. There was no hope of following, you know, your, your gifts and your life. Man, you were just a slave, and that, that is what you, you know, that is what you were. No options for anything different. Well, the Lord heard the cry uh, of the Hebrews, and he sent Moses. And you know the story kind of through the plagues, you know, where he was trying to get Pharaoh to release the Hebrews. Well, you know, I want to take you to the last, you know, the last day. He brought Moses, and he said to Moses, God said to Moses, tonight is the night. They've been in slavery 430 years, but tonight is the night. And here is what I want you to do. I want you to tell everyone to go kill a lamb. And I want you to put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost and the door frames of each one, you know, each one of your homes. So, and, and then the Lord said, you know, Exodus 12, uh, 12, he said, on the same night, I'm going to pass 
over Egypt. I'm going to strike down the firstborn of, of everyone. And then I love this passage. It says, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Look at this. And he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague, which is really appropriate now. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So he told Moses that. He said, that's, that's what I want you to do. But before you do this, I want you to remember something. That once you are delivered, I want you to celebrate this day. I want you to always remember Every year, I want you to do an annual celebration called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And I want you to remember what has happened here. And he said, like when your children come to you and go, what is this great celebration? You can go to them and say, hey, this is when the Lord passed over uh, uh passed over the Hebrews and did not bring judgment upon them. Now, he wanted them to celebrate that. Okay, so here's some things from the Passover story that, that can remind us this day. And let me just say, they have been celebrating, we have been celebrating Passover for 3,500 years. Every year. Go, go look it up in the Old Testament. Just go do a search on the word Passover and you can see regularly this, this celebration. So let me fast forward you to the time of Jesus. Let's go 1,500. Well, hang on. Let me back up. I missed my, missed my spot here. The Passover story reminds us of this. Okay, so when we think of the Passover, here's what we remember. Number one, that God honored shed blood. We can, here's what we can remember from the, the Passover story. Remember what he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. So God honored the shed blood. God gave protection from judgment. Okay, so God, you know, the, the judgment that was destined on those, God, God overlooked that because of the blood. He gave protection from the judgment. And then through the Passover, we can learn, the Passover story too, we can learn that God delivered the slaves and gave them hope. 430 years, the Lord said, this is your last day as a slave. You are now free. So we can remember those things from the Passover story. Now let's fast forward 1,500 years in Jesus and the Passover celebration. So if you'll remember, you know, uh, this, the Easter weekend begins on Thursday night with the Passover celebration. Jesus and his disciples are coming, you know, for the Last Supper. It's what we call it now. Just remember this. The Passover celebration in Jerusalem, it was huge. Thousands of people uh, came to Jerusalem for this great celebration. Jerusalem was the epicenter, the spiritual epicenter for, you know, for uh, the, the worship of Jehovah. They would always kill the Passover lamb, and it was a spiritual celebration, but it also, it had a, a festival type of atmosphere as well. So there are thousands of people there, and they would all get together, every family, they kind of had this individual way that they celebrated Passover. They would get the family together, they would have the Passover meal, and then they would read the story of the Passover and just kind of remember and reflect. They would confess their sins. They would give thanksgiving, you know, be thankful for God's deliverance of their life. And then they would 
take, partake of the Passover. So Jesus is there during this Passover celebration that they've been doing, you know, at that, at that time for, you know, thousands of years. And Jesus is at the Passover celebration. And it's kind of very unusual because he makes the announcement to them in this Passover setting that he is now the eternal Passover lamb. No more would they have to do lambs and bulls and goats, but he makes the announcement in this setting that he is the eternal Passover lamb, knowing in his mind and heart within a few hours he would be hanging on a cross suffering for the the sins of all mankind. And I just want to read you this passage, this declaration from the Passover, Luke 22. It says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover uh, with you before I suffer. So he's acknowledging the moment of Passover. He said, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until I find until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take, divide it among you. I tell you, we will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread. He gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it. He said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same way. He took the supper. Uh, he took the, the supper. He took the cup, saying, This is the cup. Uh, is is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So he's capturing the moment of Passover, connecting back to the time of Moses. But now he's announcing, here's a new way that this thing is going to be celebrated because now I am the eternal Passover lamb. So you know the story right after that. And he goes out to pray. And he is arrested. He is beaten. He is made fun of. He is flogged, 39 stripes on his back. He's put on a cross. Not only that, but he's made fun of the entire time. He's put on a cross. He suffers for six hours. Six hours. And he breathes his last breath. And he says, it is finished. They take his body, they put it on a tomb, they put it in a tomb, and you know the story. Man, on the third day, he is resurrected. Wow. Man. Now, now what does all of that mean? What is all of that? Is that just a, a great religious story? Should, shouldn't that be in the fiction aisle somewhere? Is that just, you know, what, what does that mean to me? How does that change my life? What does that have to do with me as an individual? Well, let me just tell you something. I've always believed in the power of the message of Easter. And it may sound to some of you like, you know, some great literary writing, but I'm telling you, there is a spiritual significance in why this day is celebrated. The connection from a long time ago that literally uh, impacts and has the, the power to impact everyone who, who, who listens to the gospel today. Now, I want to go back. I want to go back to that, that passage, that passage again. I want to read that again. Praise be to God, our Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, look at this. He's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ through, the de- through, through His death. So, 
So let's take the foundation of the Passover because they're connected. What today is connected, it's all God's plan. So look at the, the gospel story. The gospel story and the Passover have some great similarities, okay? The gospel story reminds us that God honors the shed blood of his son. You see, through the sacrifice of his life, your sins are forgiven. God has accepted uh, in the courts of heaven the payment of the blood of Jesus for our sins. And man, we are clean. We are free because God honored the shed blood of Jesus our sins have been forgiven and 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 the the legal standing against us has been wiped away of all of our sins because God honored the shed blood of his son my debt has been paid my record now says not guilty because of Jesus the gospel story reminds us also that God gives protection from judgment hey you're going to live forever somewhere We are spirit and soul beings. You're going to live forever somewhere. And you choose the destination. Jesus said, you can have eternal life. So when we stand before the great day of judgment, which we all would deserve God's wrath, Jesus said, you know what? I'll honor, just like I did at Passover, I'll honor the shed blood of my son over your life. Listen, we don't have to walk in uh, uh, to eternal judgment. We can live forever for Jesus because, with Jesus because of his resurrection. And I like this part. The gospel story reminds me uh, that God honors the shed blood of his son. God gives protection from judgment. And that God still delivers the slaves and gives them hope. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? It's still, it's still for you and I today. You see, his death and resurrection for me broke the shackles off my life. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not a slave to my, my, my family environment. I'm not a slave to the, the bad decisions that I've made in the past. When, when he came up out of that tomb, it broke shackles off and it announced to me that I am now free. Those shackles are now gone. Through his, through his, uh, he, he still delivers and gives, gives the slaves hope. He opened the prison doors and he said to the prisoners, hey, you're free. So I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not a prisoner anymore because of the resurrection from the dead. So I'm telling you this morning, for those that go, wow, man, that's a great story. But what, it ha- what ha- does it have for me? I'm telling you, it has the great possibility, if you will listen to the message of the gospel, to change your life, not only here in this life, but throughout eternity as well. You know who wrote that passage about the great mercy and the new birth and the living hope through the resurrection of the dead? It was Peter. It was Peter who wrote that. The fisherman that Jesus came to the boat and said, come follow me. The guy that had a little issue with his temper kind of shot his mouth off, did some things. He was serving God, but he was imperfectly. He was imperfect. The same guy, the same guy, you know, on Passover weekend that he denied Christ three times. Same guy, same guy, stood at the cross, saw Jesus, and it impacted his life. Same guy was one of the first ones to the tomb and saw that it was an empty tomb. 
He was an eyewitness. He said, I was an eyewitness. So his words, it's just, it's just not, uh, you know, like theological poetry this morning. Man, he lived this thing out. He said, man, there is great mercy. There is a new birth. There is hope for the slave and the prisoner through the resurrection of Jesus. Let me tell you. I don't care what you've done in your life. I don't care what's in your past. Everybody's kind of got their own faith journey, how they came to the Lord. But I'm just telling you, everybody starts differently. But like in our church, all of those faces that you see, some were, that you saw just a moment ago, some, you know, some were raised in church, some were not, and were so far from God. But although our faith journey started differently, we found a common, I found a common answer through the person of Jesus. I want you to watch this video and I want you to see I want you to see the power of the resurrection in action. Hey, I want to uh, introduce someone to you this morning. Uh, if you go to Generations Church, you know her. This is Amber Carbonell and uh, she's going to take a few moments and share her story with you. So Amber, tell us just first of all a little bit about your family, married kids. Uh, my husband Frankie and I've been married for six years, been together for 10 years, and we have two beautiful little girls. Uh, Mar Marley is almost nine, and Olivia uh, just turned four. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, we appreciate you taking a few moments to share your story. You have a wonderful story of God's redemption. So, uh, you know, it started off pretty normal for you. You kind of maybe had a little picture-perfect family going on as you were raised up. So tell us a little bit about your childhood and your family. Uh, so I did have a good a good childhood. We were raised in church in a Baptist church. Um, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night was involved in Awana, and uh, my parents are still married today. We had uh, a very normal a very normal life. Yeah. yeah. So kind of kind of picture perfect, but even in the midst of the you know the picture perfect kind of thing that people are seeing on the exterior, some things going on. Even as a child, you had some really dark things that were occurring to you, uh, maybe when you were six or seven. Maybe tell us a little bit about that time in your life. Yes, uh, when I was six and seven, um, I, I was molested, and my family never knew. Nobody ever knew, actually, until, I think, 2012, uh, you know, and I was probably about 25, and... Um, and then when I was 14 years old, I was uh, also raped by two different high school uh, boys, uh, one of them that I didn't know. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure looking back that that had a lot to do with, you know, having that pain and, and, and the shame that I'm only just now really figuring out the, the shame that went along with that and, and how it affected me my whole life. And it's, you know, probably why I ran to drugs. Yeah. So uh, just walking through this season, um, was there depression? Did you feel like you could ever go to anyone? Was this just kind of a secret you kept to yourself, especially when you were a child? How did you kind of kind of deal with what was going on in your life? Um, I know that at, I did have some troubling, you know, signs. I had tics, meaning like, you know, just shutting my eyes and just like these nervous twitches. And uh, I had night terrors. Um, I started having panic attacks when I was 17. Um, yeah, and, and how long how long did that last? It started when you were six or seven, and how long did this season, the, that terrible dark spot, how, how long did it last? It just kept getting worse. I never really knew what was wrong with me. You know, I used to have just these morbid images. I remember laying in my bed while other kids would be outside playing, 
and having these horrible images of, you know, my sister dying or, you know, something. And I didn't really know the connection, um, you know, but, but that's trauma that, and, and keeping it a secret. Um, I lived my entire life thinking that the molestation and the rapes were because of me and because, um, I'm gross and it was my fault and I wanted it to happen. And it's really only been recently that I was shown, you know, by God that, 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 uh, that's just not the case. It's not true. Yeah. So Amber, you know, um, you, you've got this, um, family image that's going on that everyone looks on the outside and go, Hey, that's a pretty cool family, but man, there's some really dark stuff that's happening to you. And, and through this season of, uh, of, of darkness, you know, then you later in your teen years, you opened yourself up to some experimentation of, of addictive lifestyles and drugs, that kind of thing. So tell us a little bit about that season of your, your life. Yeah. I mean, growing up, uh, I, I didn't have friends in school. Um, you know, like I said, I walked around with a lot of shame, so I didn't have a lot of friends, and I was a loner, and I wanted to escape. I mean, you know, I found a place where I could be around other people and have friends if I was uh, starting to drink at 14 and, and using different drugs, and, um, you know, I had all this pain inside that I didn't know how to get rid of, and that was something that I found, you know, at the moment, um, you know, covered it up or made it go away, and I was looking for answers, looking in all the wrong places, and it wasn't until I was 19 that I started using some of the harder drugs. So walk us through that progression, maybe from 19 to 25, uh, just you started out experimenting, then it just got a little deeper, and what did that kind of look like in your life? Yeah, I'd say immediately when I was 19 that, you know, when I first started with the hard drugs, I wouldn't have known it then, but I can look back, and I had the ad addictive tendencies just from the get-go. Um, and then when I moved to Florida in 2006, <clears throat> um, I got a group of friends and I, I tried uh, some narcotic painkillers actually, and for whatever, that was the bingo for me, and it, it, uh, it, it's all I cared about. And it absolutely took over every single part of my being, um, and completely just took over. So uh, this season of your life goes on five or six years, and then you had, you know, of, of course, almost every time there's long-term addictive behavior, they're going to have a run-in with the police. And so uh, you tried to get a little money one day, and it turned out, tell them about, uh, about the, uh, you know, you, you got arrested. Tell us a little about that part. I certainly could have gotten arrested more times than I did. Um, but in 2008, which was, it was the end of my uh, severe addiction to painkillers. I was very, very sick with withdrawal and malnutrition. And I was out of money, didn't have electric. It was in the middle of August. It was really hot. I had no gas in my car and I was desperate. I was also suicidal at the time. Um, and so just in the middle of a busy parking lot one day, I saw somebody walking and um, I just tried to grab her wallet. And uh, I think I got a dollar. Um, but I escaped and then someone had called my, my license plate tag in. <clears throat> and uh, so a few days later, uh, I was leaving my house and the police surrounded my house. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember getting out of the car and, and just begging them to shoot me um, because just that's how broken I was. And, and really it saved my life to get arrested. I did five months in jail and then I did four months in rehab right after that. Um, and then I was on felony, felony probation for three years. You know, but um, at, at your lowest point sometimes is where you can always find God. 
unfortunately, you know, some people, you can find God and when your life is going good, but sometimes people don't ever turn until their life is kind of bottomed out. So here she is with this uh, dark past, starting from her childhood. She's got some very addictive behaviors. She's been arrested for attempted r- robbery. and But really, man, that's when the turnaround began in your life and coming back to God. And the, uh, the scripture says he gives beauty for ashes. And we've talked about the ashes. Now you're going to see the beauty that emerged. So what was the next step of your life that really began God's grace working in your life? It got a little worse before it got better, but, um, you know, I, I cleaned up a little bit with the drugs, but then I kind of switched to alcohol after all the rehab and everything. And I met my husband, Frankie, and we got pregnant really early on. And, um, you know, when it was a struggle having, being a new mom and still struggling with addiction and being so lost and, and just depression and darkness, um, you know, that, uh, when she turned one, just a couple weeks after that, um, I tried to commit suicide because I felt that, um, that she didn't deserve to have a mom like me. And I felt that, you know, I was, I was just going to hurt her and I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. And I was at my lowest and I meant business. And, uh, I even remember waking up in the hospital being mad that I was still alive, but, I was, and uh, you know, maybe because of my background in church and just having that light of God always right there, um, I knew that I needed something, and, and that something was going to have something to do with God. And so I went home and started looking for you know treatment centers, and I came across the Teen Challenge website, and I read their mission statement, and I immediately knew that's where I needed to go. And two weeks later, I was on an airplane with my one-year-old going to Teen Challenge in yeah. Arizona. So the Teen Challenge in Arizona is unusual that you can bring a child. And uh, so not only, and we, we love Teen Challenge, and we support Teen Challenge here, but not only is it a great program, it was a really a chance for you to turn your life back over to the Lord, maybe some things that you had learned earlier in your life. So just your spiritual renovation revolution just occurred. Just t- t- tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah, teen, teen Challenge is so much more than just a recovery program for addiction. They, they don't even really focus on, you know, the addiction part. They focus on Jesus. And that, you know, that's where I found who Jesus was. Because even growing up in church, there was just, I never, you know, it was just kind of something that I had to do maybe um, because my family did it. Um, I had other interests. But, you know, they, they really get to the heart of Jesus. And you find healing through Jesus and that, that's what changed everything, absolutely. Well, um, Amber, uh, we, we believe God gives beauty for ashes. And now you, you mentioned your, your husband. you got two beautiful children. And, uh, um, but maybe there's someone watching, listening today that their, their life is messed up. Uh, maybe they've gone through dark periods like you've mentioned. Maybe there's some addictive behaviors, or maybe they're just away from the Lord, uh, got, a, got a messy life. What would you say to them this morning, uh, just as a, a word of encouragement? Well, there's a lot of things that I would, that I would want to say. Um, it's hard to narrow it down. But um, first of all, it's very, you know, addiction is a lose-lose situation. It, it doesn't matter if you can control it for a little while or it, it always ends in disaster. And for me, the only answer was God. You know, I had been to rehabs before and um, 
you know, turning to God was the best decision I ever, I ever made. Like he's changed so much more than just getting me off of drugs. Like if you would have seen me, you know, 10 years ago, the kind of person that I was and, um, you wouldn't see a smile on my face. You wouldn't see me be joy and, and joyous and, and have friends and, and love people because I was just such a broken person. And he changes everything. Like he, he literally is the answer to absolutely everything. I can't explain how he does it. He does it step by step. All that matters is turning to him. And, and if you find yourself slipping away, turn back. As soon as you hear that voice tell, you know, tapping on your shoulder saying, hey, you know, it's been a while since you read your Bible. I mean, yeah. I can tell the difference in my day when I don't read my Bible. Like, God is just amazing, and everything that flows from him is beautiful, and he is 100% of the reason why I am where I am today. That's great. So you, you've heard her testimony this morning, and, um, you know, Amber and her family are very involved in church. They're also involved in Living Free here at our church, uh, which is a, a ministry that we have for people with controlling life issues. You can go to our website and get some more information on that, gctlh.org. But Amber, thank you for sharing your story. Uh, sometimes you see people like her on Sunday or you see her on the stage in the worship team and you go, wow, man, she's probably just had her life all together, all of her life, but you just never know the darkness that people come out of and, and then they're exposed to God's grace. So Amber, thank you for sharing your story with us this morning. Thank you for having me. Amen. What a great testimony. What a great reminder of God's grace. See, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've come from, what your church background was. Man, there is grace through Jesus Christ. There's a new, there's a new birth. You know, if you're here today, maybe some of you are part of our regular church attenders. And, and uh, man, this is a, a, just a time of reflection for you. In a moment, we're just going to worship God. But I just want to take a moment. Maybe you're watching today from wherever you're watching from, listening, uh, video, whenever. I want you to know that the message of the gospel is for you today. God's plan for your redemption started not today, but a long time ago, 3,500 years ago. And now we find that, that way to God through Jesus Christ. And I just want to say this morning, man, if you've broken God's law, if you've failed God, you know, if you've hurt others, if you've hurt yourself, you've walked away from God this morning, it doesn't matter because there's a new and living hope through, through Jesus Christ. If you'll give him the opportunity Man, he'll come into your heart. You heard Amber's story. Man, it doesn't get much darker than that. But she found hope and peace through Jesus Christ. But not only that, he began to restore her life. I love the passage that says the Lord gives beauty for ashes. So you may be looking at your life. It's all ashes of things that have burned out and messed up in your life. I'm just telling you, you have not gone too far. There is hope. There is a living hope that you have through the person of Jesus Christ. I just want to pray this prayer this morning. I want you to... You know, if that's you, man, if God's speaking to you this morning on this Easter, listen, we're living in a crazy world now. There's, there's things, unusual things going on that are making people look at big picture things in their life. And maybe, maybe that's you. You've been going, hey, God, what is this? What are, you, what are you saying? Well, I'm just telling you this morning, he's saying to you, man, listen to me. Give me that 
you know, give me that opportunity. And, you know, a new beginning for you can start today. It can start right now. I'm going to pray a little prayer. And then I'm just going to pause. And if that's you, man, if that's you, man, just repeat this little prayer with me this morning. Because this Easter can be the start of a new life for you. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. You rose from the dead. I turn from my sins today. And I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. And I do that today. In Jesus' name. It's that simple. It's that simple. Now, if that's you, you prayed that prayer, you can put in the comments section, hey, I prayed the prayer. Our moderators will be in touch with you. You can send us an email at info uh, at gctlh.org. We'll respond back to you. We want to know. We want to walk that. We'll just celebrate with you this morning. Hey, but before we end the service, man, all across our generation's family, those that are watching, we want to take another moment and we want to give thanks to God for the cross of Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. It's not an old, you know, dusty fable, but it is a living hope that you and I can have. So just for the next few moments, just deep in your heart, can we worship together this morning? Lord, we worship and we give you thanks, Lord, for your great mercy. Lord, we give you thanks, Lord, for a new birth. We give you thanks for living hope, Lord, through the resurrection of the dead. Lord, it, we just give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. God said to Moses, today's the day that the slaves are no longer going to be slaves. And I just want to say to you, Man, today can be your day that your days of slavery are over with. Your days of being in prison are over with. Those shackles have been broken off of you. That prison door has swung open. You don't, you don't sit in that prison once that, that door has been swung open. So I want to just say to you, Happy Easter. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.